0: That's good singing, amen. amen. Appreciate that special, uh, really special amen. from the heart. Amen. How many of you know who William Booth is? William Booth started the Salvation Army. Yeah. Stories told that he had to go and appear before his board. You know, he's Methodist. And he appeared before the board and he told the main bishop there while he was there, he says, you know, God has laid it upon my heart to leave the church's pastor and just start evangelizing. And I'm not talking about going to other churches. I'm talking about taking the gospel to the streets of London. And of course... The bishop said, nope, I forbid it. You're too well-educated. They're they're a waste of time. But his wife just happened to be up there in the balcony because women weren't allowed on the first floor with the men. And she bent over and she called his attention to her and said, honey, honey. You don't do what man tells you to do. You do what God tells you to do. I am behind you. I support you. Let's serve God together. And she came down. He grabbed her by the arm and out the door. They went. And the rest is history. Lots of folks have been won to Christ. Now, listen to me. I don't go along with all of Methodist doctrine. But they are right with one thing. And that's Jesus and Jesus only saves. Amen. You say, well, why did you tell us this story this morning? Well, because the main focus is getting people to Christ. Now, we'll get into our text in just a second. But we sometimes have things backwards. You see, we believe that we are carrying out the Great Commission when we build a church and we teach the Word and we preach the Word. And by the way, we're to do those things. But that is not the Great Commission. The Great Commission is when you and I, as followers of Christ, born again, blood-bought, saved children of God... When we go out those doors into the world and share Christ with the lost and dying world. That's the great commission. Amen. It is. I know we build our churches and we have this funny idea. Well, we build it, they'll come. Remember that show, Field of Dreams? Well, we have that same attitude. If we build it, they'll come and we sit in our pews and we wait For men and women and boys and girls to come through those doors. And thank God, there's a few that do. But beloved, the lost are outside those doors. And we're to take the gospel to them. I want to give you a wonderful example. You say, well, what soul winner are you going to brag on this morning? Who's a great soul winner? I'm going to go to the source himself. Jesus Christ was the greatest soul winner there has ever been. Amen? So turn to Mark chapter 2. And I'll try not to keep you too long. I said I'd try. I won't keep you long. Stand up, shut up, and speak up, right? And sit down. Yeah four S's. Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 13. Mark chapter 2, verse 13, and he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of customs, and said unto him, Follow me, and he arose and followed him. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Amen. Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you for this time you've given us. Lord, to come to your house and to hear your word. And Father, as we bow before you in your sanctuary, Lord, just speak to our hearts. Lord, if there's issues in our lives that need to be taken care of this morning, may your spirit convict and may we submit to those areas in our lives where we're weak and we're not where we're supposed to be. And Lord, we pray this morning that you'll give us a burden for the lost, Lord. There's so many out there that's yet to hear. So, Father, help us to be bold and help us to follow your example in this passage. Give me the word to say, may I preach with boldness and authority those truths. And again, Lord, if there be one here, let them come before it's too late. You know the prayer requests? We pray, Father. That uh, your will be done with each one as you see fit. And Lord, again, we'll be most grateful to praise you this morning for who you are. Forgive us of our sins, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Morning, I want to speak to you about setting with sinners. And before I even get started, do you know I'm a sinner? Well, Wow. I am a sinner. But so is everybody in the pew. We're either safe sinners or we're lost sinners. But we're all sinners. Amen. We have come short of the mark. Our sin has separated us from God. And because of that separation, we are indeed in need of a Savior, a Redeemer. And do you know God sent His Son into the world to do that very thing for you and me? So... The Bible says Jesus is in Capernaum. And by the way, Brother Bob and I were there in January. Isn't that a pretty little place as far as the landscape? Because it's right there on the Sea of Galilee. It's gorgeous. It's really gorgeous. And I can see that being a hub, if you will, for our Savior. But you know, Jesus didn't stick around in Nazareth. He didn't just stick around in Jerusalem, He went everywhere to share the gospel. And beloved, you and I should be willing to go everywhere. We have opportunity to share the gospel. Now, this is what the Bible says. And he went forth by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. And understand that he was about sharing the gospel. And he came to Capernaum, and of course, this was the hometown of Peter and Andrew. And Notice the people came from all over. Why? Because they had heard about this man that could speak as no other man. They had heard about this man who could perform miracles, who could feed multitudes, who could raise the dead, who could heal the sick. And of course, his fame began to grow. And the Lord, again, did a lot of ministry in Capernaum. I know we're in Las Vegas, but there are sections of Las Vegas you and I need to be aware of that They need to hear the gospel. If we just stay right here in this little corner of Vegas, even though there's a great work to do, don't get me wrong, but if we just stay right here, then there's going to be men and women and boys and girls that aren't going to be able to come to Christ because they won't be able to hear the gospel. So we have to share the gospel anytime we have opportunity and everywhere God allows us to go. Amen? So, notice what it says in the next verse. It says, And he passed by, and he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom. And, bottom line, Levi was a tax collector. Now, you understand, the Jews thought you were pretty low if you were a tax collector. What it was, was, you know, (laughs) what's the word I want to use that we'll all understand be simple? It was a racket. You see, Rome required taxes to be taken up. And what they would do is they would have their nobles in these provinces bid on the contract for that and then those nobles would hire people to take up the taxes. And as long as Rome got their part, they didn't care if you put your thumb on a scale. Now understand, that's what Levi was, and that's why the Jews couldn't stand tax collectors, publicans. Understand also that, I don't know if you've thought about this, But where Levi was, Capernaum, uh, Peter, and James and John and Andrew more than likely knew him because they had to pay taxes for the fish they caught. Can you imagine paying taxes on fish that you did all the labor and work to get? Well, again, it didn't matter to Rome as long as they got their money. Now, Levi was a son of Alpheus. alpheus I'll try to get it right. I'm not too good with names. But did you also know, if you'll do a little background history of Levi, who became, by the way, after he was saved, Matthew, if you'll do a little history on him, do you know he was raised a Levi? A Levite? He came from the tribe of Levi. Levi, do you know what was expected? They were the priestly tribe. They were expected to be trained in the Old Testament. They were expected to work in the temple and the synagogues. They were expected to know the word of God, be like a scribe concerning the word of God. So he was taught all of this as he grew up. But, hey, I can make more money if I'm a tax collector. They may hate me. I may be a drag of society. But at least I've got money and I've got power. He's not the first one raised in a godly home that went worldly. Amen? Amen? It's all about power. All about money. And he did. How many? I've heard stories. You know, the hardest kids to raise in the world are preachers' kids and deacons' kids. Because I'm here to tell you you can raise them, teach them the ways of God, you teach them the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and when they get on their own, Sometimes they go crazy. Amen? They go crazy. They run off over here and do this. They run off over there and do that. And again, even though we as parents have tried to push them and direct them to follow God, it's still up to the individual, isn't it? And I'm sure the parents weren't too pleased with Levi. And his occupation. I guarantee you the Jews weren't pleased. They despised him. He was considered vilest and a traitor. They considered him to be the worst of the worst because he worked for Rome. Now, here is this publican, and look at what it says. And as he passed by, who was passing by? Jesus. Friend, don't let Jesus ever. Pass you by. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom, and he said unto him two words Follow me. Simple enough. Follow me. Now, Levi had a decision to make. He was given a choice. He could follow the Lord or he could stay right there doing what he was doing before. But the Bible says, look at what it says after. It says, follow me. And he arose and followed him. You see, right then, right there, he didn't sit there and debate. Well, what am I walking away from? I have to think about this. I don't know if I should or if I shouldn't. I don't know what to do. No, the Bible says immediately he followed him. He left that old life to follow Christ. Understand, we all, as children of God, had to make the choice and the decision to either follow him or not all of us that are sitting here this morning I pray you made that decision and you are following him you give your heart to him you serve him but there's still those out there that tend to have a problem with just stepping out and going after the Lord Levi didn't have that problem And the reason I believe he didn't have that problem, he had heard about the fame of Christ, he had heard about all that Christ had done, and he saw something. We have all seen something in Jesus, amen? Let me say this also. As long as you have hope in Christ, he can change any circumstance. I'm sure, again, Levi's mom and dad, we've tried everything. There's no hope. Can't get him out of that custom booth. But guess what? As long as there's breath, there is hope. Child of God, if you have a loved one that is hopelessly lost, You keep praying. You keep witnessing. You just trust God to move in that loved one's life. He will. May not be in our time frame. But he will. He honors our faithfulness. Now, I don't know the heart of those. But Jesus, as he passed by, he knew Levi's heart he knew he wasn't happy he knew he was a drag of society he knew he was a lost sinner he knew there was a need the Lord knows our needs also spiritually listen to me God knows he said well why would the Lord tell Levi to follow him The only answer I can give you this morning, because of his grace. You and I that are born again have been saved because of the grace of God. There isn't anything other than his grace and his love for us. Listen, none of us are worthy of heaven. There's nothing good about us. We are sinners But because of God's love for you and me and the grace, which is unmerited favor that he gives us, we can be saved. Levi was not beyond saving. And that is a perfect picture. There is no one in this world today that is beyond God's grace and salvation if they'll only come to him. Now, I want to tell you, I've seen some folks out there, I wonder, but, you know, the problem with the Pharisees here, and they're fixing to call Jesus to the table because he went home with Levi. And I'll tell you why Levi had a dinner. I'll tell you exactly why. And it should be the same motivation for us. The reason Levi invited Christ and the disciples to his house for dinner was it was his way for his friends, the only ones that he knew he could hang out with, who were publicans and sinners, it was so that they couldn't come to know the Savior that he came to know. That's why. But of course, the old Pharisees, they didn't quite see it that way. Who does he think? How dare Him, he is sitting there with publicans and sinners. How dare him? He says he's the son of God. He claims to be God. And look at who he's hanging out with. But before we point our fingers at them, sometimes we're just as bad. We have the same attitude. We look down our noses. We forget we were just like them or worse before we got saved. But we'll point our fingers and say, "Ah, I ain't going to have nothing to do with that old drunk over there, that old dope pusher, that murderer, that thief. I ain't going to have anything to do with any of them. That stripper. That prostitute on the street, I ain't going to have nothing. Listen, you don't partake of their sins. Jesus went to Levi's house to eat dinner with him, and he shared the gospel, but he didn't partake of any of their sins. But he wasn't ashamed to be found among sinners. Thank God he's not ashamed. Because huh, if he would, was that type of a savior... I would be the first one that he would be ashamed of. But he wasn't. Notice what he says here. Follow me. And that's what the Lord wants us to follow him in salvation. And then service after salvation. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house... Many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. Now, I want to tell you, there's going to be a difference. When a person comes to Christ, you can't help but be changed, and you can't help but want others to know what you got. When I first got saved, and I hate to use I as an example, but I first got saved, I started calling people on the phone, telling them I got saved. I ran down to where Lori was working. She was in the cafeteria mopping the floor, and I ran down there and I said, I got saved. I went to church that night. pastor standing there on the front porch, and when he saw us pull up, The biggest smile came upon his face. And I got out and I said, guess what? He said, you got saved. (laughs) I got saved, Brother Leroy. And he just shouted, tears running down his cheek. Because that man had tried and witnessed and witnessed. And he saw God answered prayer. But my point is, here is Levi. He invites all of his friends. And by the way, they were publicans and sinners. Because they were the only ones that would have anything to do with them. The religious elite of that day had nothing to do with a sinner. And by the way, they thought if you even came close to one, you were defiling yourself. But you know, here's, here's the funny thing. Think about it. The Bible says that the multitude followed Jesus. Disciples followed the Lord to Levi's house. These publicans and sinners went to Levi's house. And guess what the Pharisees are doing? Spying. Oh no, they're not going to go through the door. But they're going to stand there and, they're going to, and accuse the Lord Jesus Christ of being a friend of Thank God he's a friend of sinners. Thank God that he wants us to come to him. Even when we are undone and lost, he loves us anyway. And he doesn't cast anyone away. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord doesn't say they might, they could, maybe, says they shall be saved thank God for a Savior that cares. But here are these Pharisees and notice why didn't they go to Jesus right then and there and say hey what are you doing? No, who did they go to? His disciples. I guess Jesus has already called their bluff. If you'll read the beginning of chapter 2 you'll find that he had already told the Pharisees. They were already mad at him because he claimed to be God. God that he could forgive sin. And by the way, he could because he is God. Understand he is God. And understand he's the only one that can forgive our sins. So the Bible says that he's there, they're watching and it came to pass that as Jesus sat at me in his house many publican sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples for there were many and they followed him and when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners they said unto his disciples how is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners they saw it And they questioned, how is it? He eats and drinks. And those two verbs there, eateth and drinketh, are in a pretense or form of words that mean he continually eats and drinks with publicans and sinners. They were trying to scar his character. But let me just say this. Aren't you thankful it wasn't about his character? He didn't care what anyone said. He came to fulfill the will of the Father and he went to all people. He never turned anyone away. He was willing to take the gospel to anyone. And that's the way it ought to be with us. We are to pattern ourselves after our Lord and Savior and be willing to take the gospel to all, not just those who we approve of. Amen? Notice what it says. And when Jesus heard it, was Jesus listening? Hey, he knows everything. He sees and he hears. And when he heard it, he said unto them that they that are whole have no need of a physician. Let me just stop right there and simply say this. What he's saying is, listen, I'm a doctor. I am a physician. And I ain't here to doctor those that have no need of a doctor. I'm here for those that are sick. I can relate to that. Before as a sinner, before I met the Savior, He came to me. I was sick in sin. I was dead in trespasses and sin. But He gave me a blood transfusion. And through His blood, He wiped away all my sins. And He saved my soul. Because He is the great physician. And there is balm in Gilead. There is an ointment, a cure for sin. in fact, this great physician that Jesus is telling the scribes and Pharisees about, he is the only one that has the remedy for sin. And it is a disease. It's a deadly disease disease. Oh, I thought cancer was. Cancer is a deadly disease, but sin is worse because cancer can only attack the physical body. But sin attacks not only the physical body but the spiritual body. So he says, I'm a doctor. I didn't come for those that ain't sick. He says this to finish out the verse. They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You see, and I hope you get this, it doesn't matter how righteous you are, and the good works you do, good family you come from, only thing that's going to matter is do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ the Savior? That's it. If you don't hear anything else, hear that. You must be born again. Understand this morning, Jesus made salvation easy for all of us. You see, if you believe in Christ's finished work on the cross, you admit you're a sinner, you confess your sins... Not to the preacher, but to the Lord. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, and by faith or complete trust, call upon his name, you will be saved. That's how simple it is. But understand something. You'll not get saved till you recognize you're lost. I tried talking to a woman one time, leader to the Lord. She's a great woman. She's nice. Moral, she was a good woman. But she couldn't come to the mindset that she was a sinner. No, I'm good. I wasn't raised to be bad. Ma'am, you don't have to do a single thing to be born a sinner. You've inherited a nature that makes us sinners. Oh no! You could ask my mom if she's here. She'd tell you I was a good girl. Ma'am. doesn't matter how good you are. We are all in need of the Savior. And the only way we can come to... The saving knowledge of Jesus is to recognize we're sinners. Why, why else are we to be saved, delivered from harm or destruction if we don't recognize we're lost? No, I just don't sit it that way. I'm sorry. I just never went back. I don't know if somebody else came along and Added some water to the seed that was planted. I pray they did because she was a nice lady. Terry Buck's mom. I never trusted Jesus with me there because she couldn't recognize she was lost and in need. Jesus said, I didn't come for those that are whole, I came for the sick, those in need of repentance that's why I came again there's sinners out there that need to hear the gospel and we need to share the gospel with them you can't just sit and well the Lord's going to save them and I've had some people say this preachers well if the Lord's Going to save them, he'll bring them in. Nope. Nope. Can he save them? Yeah. But I'm going to tell you, why didn't Jesus just stay in one place if that was the case? He went everywhere. Declaring the kingdom of God was at hand. I encourage you this morning. Call on the Lord and ask Him. I'm talking about you who are saved. Ask Him to put people in your path that needs the Lord. Pray that prayer, and if you mean it, believe me, He means that there'll be somebody come your way. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, Jesus came to save you. Matthew and I'll shut. Him. Shh. Of course, Levi became Matthew. Levi wrote the book of Matthew, one of the Gospels. He left all; never went back to his old ways. He left all, and he served the Lord faithfully from that day on. He served him, and he died for him as a martyr for Christ. So you might ask, is it just a feeling? Is it really real? I assure you it is. Listen, if it was just based on on a story or fable, if it was just based on a feeling, I don't think any of those apostles would have been willing to suffer the persecution that they suffered throughout their ministries and to literally give their lives for a lie. It is real. You say, but I'm wicked. Join the club. We're all wicked. I'm a sinner. Join the club. We're all sinners. I'm evil. We're all evil. Apart from the blood and the grace of God, we're all headed to hell. But if you call on the Lord, or if you will call on the Lord, He can save you right here and right now. And it doesn't matter your background. I'm so thankful. Man, if the Lord would have said, you know what? He's from Arkansas. He can't come to heaven. That would be sad. but that would be, And that would be a tragedy. But no, my background didn't matter to him that I come from Arkansas. didn't matter that I come from the country didn't matter to him that I get tongue-tied sometimes. It doesn't matter to him. What matters is that I came. And I followed him. He told Matthew, Levi, follow me. And he followed him. Dropped what he was doing and followed him. And he never went. How about you, child of God? Are you following Him? Or are you kind of torn, tugged back and forth? There's following the Lord, and you want to do that, but there's also the pull of what you used to have in the world. Folks, just like the Lord said, remember Lot's wife, don't look back. Go forward. Follow God the Lord take up the cross and follow him daily. Amen. So, will Jesus save anyone? Yes. Are you saved this morning? Oh, that's convincing. Are you saved this morning? That's more like it. Praise God. But if you're not, sure. And hey, hey, I've met a lot of people that wouldn't sure. Listen, you can get that settled right here and right now. These things have I written to you. What has He written? That you may know, you have eternal life. I'm thankful. I know. Man, it'd be misery to wake up each day and say, "Well, today am I saved?" Have I done anything today that cost me my salvation? You See, the good thing is this: once you come to Christ and once He saves you, you'll never have to be saved ever again. You belong to Him. And of course, I know the old spiel about us Baptists. You Baptists believe you can live any old way you want to. Yeah, I asked Jesus to save me and I can live any old way I want to. I can sin every day. I can do anything I want to. Yeah, you can. But I doubt you're saved. You see, when You see, when a person gets saved, they get their want to fixed. You don't want to go back. You don't want to return to the old mire. You don't want to be like an old dog eating what he regurgitated. Amen? You don't want that. So, he came. He's the great physician. You that are sick, he's the remedy. Come and call upon him. Stand with me, please. Brother Bob, y'all come. Father. Simple message, but thank you for your word. Thank you for the life of Levi, Matthew. Thank you for saving his soul. Oh, Lord, he was despised. People couldn't stand him. They thought he was a hopeless case. But, Lord, with you, there's no one hopeless. Lord, you love, and you came for one reason, and that was to die. Die on a cross for the sins of the world. Lord, thank you for the redemption that is only in you. Father, I pray everybody here saved. I want them to have what I know I have. But Lord, if there's one that doesn't, please may your Holy Spirit convict them and draw them to this altar before it's eternally too late. Lord, maybe we've got brothers and sisters here. They're saved. They're secure in their salvation. But but maybe they've allowed themselves to become like the scribes and Pharisees, pointing their noses down at others who are lost, forgetting where they've come from, forgetting they were once lost. So Lord, just speak to those hearts. If they need to come and... Make things right, Lord. May they have liberty to do it. You just have your way in this invitation. For it's in Christ's precious name that we ask these things. Amen.